0: Hello everybody, Deborah Harcourt speaking here from Asia Pacific Early Childhood Consultants Um, and welcome to our seventh episode and in this one we're going to examine ethical documentation. So we have had a previous podcast on documentation but this time I wanted to focus on the ethics of documentation and One of the reasons why I'd like us to have a dialogue around this is we have seen over the last, say, four or five years, a plethora of online platforms and social media platforms that are being used to share uh, children's work with families, communities and others. And I've had some experiences working with educators who are a little bit concerned about the ethics of that and as we know once our media is shared in an online uh, way it's very difficult then to monitor what happens with that. But even prior to those images or Narratives being uploaded in that format, I'm wondering how much time is spent talking to the children about what they would like to share and do they actually understand that the sharing goes beyond sometimes just their families? And are these ideas that children are generating and the views and opinions that they're generating, are they? formed in such a fashion that children are ready and prepared and understand uh, for those ideas and views and opinions um, to be shared more broadly. So I'd like us to have a bit of a think about how that might work in in your own context. If I just kind of wind back a little bit here, if we just refresh our memories, I'm talking about what I prefer to call educational documentation. Many people refer to it as pedagogical documentation and others refer to it as just documentation. But what I'm referring to here around educational documentation is the kind of recording and reporting that relates to the planning and organisation of teaching and learning. And by that I mean it's supported by deliberate acts of um, careful observation, deep listening, documenting and recording that, interpreting what you see um, alongside of children, with children, in dialogue with colleagues and ensuring that you are as close to what we might call the truth or the reality of what children are doing and and how you're being intentional in your teaching. Our colleagues in Regimelia where I certainly draw great inspiration from and I know that many of of the listeners for these podcasts draw inspiration from our colleagues in Regimelia. They use educational documentation with a specific purpose of amplifying or enhancing Uh, children's identity as a learner, uh, teachers' identity as a learner and researchers. Amplifying communication, so really giving great credibility to what the community values and what the teachers and the children value. And also, I guess very importantly for our colleagues in Regimelia, they are amplifying relationships which they see as the cornerstone of the work that they do. And those relationships, of course, mean relationships between children, between adults, between adults and children, but also a really close examination of the relationship between children and the environment, the materials and resources, and that creates that context for learning. Educational documentation tells a story or it should tell a story and as such as a story as a narrative it can be read in many different ways by different people and for different purposes but that reading needs to be done over time and I think we get stuck in something that um, and I've often seen educators just click a photograph and five minutes later it's on a social media platform shared with parents about what your child did today, uh, or it's up on the wall. Without that negotiation and dialogue, but also without the opportunity to, I guess, measure and qualify the learning that happens over time. So we can actually use our educational documentation for a purpose of watching teaching and learning uh, uh, focus and unfold over time. And the focus then becomes how children learn rather than what children learn. So I think there's a difference between those two. And I think we have an obligation on behalf of children as the reporters of teaching and learning that we are able to amplify how children, the processes that children go through to learn. And I think that that's part of our ethical responsibility, not just the outcome of what children have learnt, but what processes do children use to test those theories, to find out some answers, to look at new ideas, to start developing new questions. And I guess what we have to do then is we have to make visible the negotiation that happens between the children and the teachers so that others, including children and our colleagues, can see, we're transparent, I suppose I'm saying, we're transparent about the relationship that happens between the adults and children, the teachers uh, and the children and the learning that happens. If we can make that negotiation or that beautiful uh, way of um, expression that Stefania Gianni uses of of the the delicate dance in that negotiation between children and teachers as they co-research and and co-learn as children are unpacking these theories. So if we are observing or seeing children thoughtfully this might put us in a situation where we're really thinking deeply about the ethics of what we're sharing because remember once you make something visible you're actually saying to whatever audience it is whether it's you're sharing something with the children whether you're sharing something with your colleagues Uh, you're presenting something at a parent information evening or you're sharing more generally with parents from displays on the wall or in social media, what you're actually saying is this is what I value or perhaps this is what we value as an early childhood setting. You're saying these things are important. So we've got to think about the difference between you know, the the washing line full of butterfly prints where every child has done one in, as you know, that only takes a few minutes, compared to a thoughtful display or presentation of children's thinking that has unfolded over time. It says something different to your audience about what you are valuing. So, we're also saying it's not that we're just observing what children can do but we're observing what we are able to see and we also I think must have some deep critical reflection on what it is that we can see because our background, our professional education, our understanding of children, our understanding of our professional practice is the lens that we use to interpret uh, teaching and learning. So it's not just that we can see children doing something in the sandpit block area with loose parts. But what is it that we're actually seeing children do? How do we dig deeper into that so that we're actually transmitting to children what we value is so much richer than just what the children are doing, just um, playing with pipes in the sandpit or building a track with the blocks? We're trying to uncover what theories they are uh, testing or developing, or trialing. And I think we have an ethical and moral obligation to look much deeper than a su- having a superficial lens. But of course, that depends on the way we see, the way we see children, the knowledge that we bring to the interpretation, uh, the dialogue that we have with with. Uh, our colleagues and with children. Now I've often asked children, this is what I think you were trying to tell us through your block building. Am I right there? Did Did I interpret that correctly? And I think it's really important that we spend time with children so that they know we want to observe and we want to see as close to the truth as we can. Obviously, we are observers of the experience. We're not actually in the experience like children are. So we have to really try and close the gap between what we think we see and what children are actually experiencing themselves. So I'm wondering then if we're doing that, can children decide on what it is that is made visible? both as a collective and as individuals. So I want to ask you the question, how often do you sit with individual children to unpack your observations with them? And then how often do you sit with uh, groups of children, small groups of children, to decide what they think is important to share with others and what is not? So, for example, I was talking with a small group of uh, uh, teachers who work in an infant studio. This is with very young children, and they were asking me, well, how do we include very young children in this kind of dialogue, the the children who um, are yet to uh, have the language, the spoken language that would help us have a dialogue with them? I asked them if they would be prepared to sit on a a regular basis with children, perhaps in the afternoon um, with a group of photographs that they may have taken over the last few days and just lay the photographs out and draw the children's attention to them. But how the children respond to those photographs is important because what we think might be important learning for us or an important interpretation for us as an adult, could be and often is in my experience very different to what it is to a child. So those photographs that seem to draw children's attention, the photographs that they go close to, the photographs that they spend quite some time either pointing or looking at, or indeed maybe they scan the photographs and they move away but still leave them there. They may come back to them. But if they don't, I'd like you to have a dialogue with each other about what, what does that mean? Does it mean that we are placing significance or value on something that the children themselves do not? How do we interpret that? What sort of questions would you ask of each other? with a different set of photographs that perhaps the children do gravitate towards and what's the difference between the first set and the second set? So I'd like us to think about the way in which we can transfer some of that decision making onto children so that they have opportunities as both individuals and as small groups to decide on what is made visible to a broader audience, whether it's other children, um, your colleagues, or indeed with with families. I'd also like to ask you, and those of you who've um, done some work on Image of Child will be quite familiar with what I'm speaking about here, but I'd also like to ask you to examine what you have made public in the past and ask yourselves what image of child is being presented in that documentation. Have you taken responsibility for choosing an image of child that positions the child from infancy as competent? And I think that that again that image of child as a competent child from infancy is often quite a superficial look the child can do that the child is able to do this but I want you to think a little bit more deeply about that is from from a a thought position that competency means children have the competence to be able to achieve something to go through that process of learning So I'm wondering what responsibility, what ethical responsibility do we have when we are sharing children's thinking with others and making thinking and learning visible? Are we also saying it's not that children can accomplish something, but it's the ability from infancy for children to instigate, to discover, to unpack, to construct and reconstruct, and I think that becomes really important in terms of our ethical and professional responsibility so people actually understand what it is that we are, are trying to do. So if we come to the assessment. How do we make the assessment visible and how do we share the assessment or the interpretation of learning? Using the developmental domains or your curriculum document, whatever you use. In Australia, we use the early years learning framework or you might use the PYP principles. You can use those outcomes as your guide for interpreting learning. That's one thing. But how do you engage this strategy of measuring the outcomes or assessing the outcomes, how do you engage that strategy with children's thinking? That is an authentic partnership between children and teachers. I really think this needs to happen because a lot of the assessment of learning is done without the child. So I'd like us to think about working with children in a professional partnership because I think children have a right to be involved in the assessment of their learning. And I also think a child has the right to know what a teacher is going to teach and therefore document. I think this is an incredibly important uh, way of framing your, your planning in terms of working with the child on that. And the care that you take with then presenting your planning and presenting your documentation in a public way. I've heard Carla Rinaldi say this, the care that you take in presenting that documentation publicly equates with the care you are taking of the child's brain and therefore you have a great ethical responsibility here to ensure that you are promoting the competent thinker. So it's not about, in the end I think, it's not about behaving better ethically but being ready to be ethical in your behaviour and your actions as a reporter, as as people who are responsible for reporting, teaching and learning. Then you must be ready to be ethical in both your behaviour and in your actions documentation in the main I think has become quite a bureaucratic activity which I think results in practice that is a technique that just repeats itself from day to day to day so it becomes a task-driven ridden thing without any opportunity to transform pedagogy to transform children's role in the documentation in a thoughtful ethical and artful way So I'm asking you to think about enacting children's rights as citizens. They have been given opportunities and the means to be able to take part and have an opinion. And therefore a child needs to know what's going on and be invited into those conversations around making the teaching and the learning visible. So I hope I've given you a little bit of food for thought there. I think ethical documentation is, and documenting in an ethical way is an incredibly important professional conversation for us to have. And I'd really like to hear from you about your views and opinions around this and look forward to having an online conversation with you. I'll be back next week for the final podcast in 2017 and I'm going to focus on celebrations and some thinking around um, how we can be more thoughtful around the kinds of celebrations that we have. So until then, uh, thanks for listening and I look forward to uh, meeting you soon. Bye for now.